Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Sharon John. She's a CEO of Build-A-Bear Workshop. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning, Jeff. Sharon, for those that aren't familiar with Build-A-Bear, can you just give us a quick overview of the company? Absolutely. Um, Build-A-Bear uh, was started in 1997, so we just uh, celebrated our 25th year this year, but that uh, came at a very fortuitous time in that we have been going through a multi-year transition to become a dynamic company with a lot of different revenue streams and a broader consumer base with more categories. Because I know that a lot of people, when they hear Build-A-Bear, just think kids and malls and teddy bears, and we're so much more than that, and this has been a long journey for us. And all of that work particularly as we went through the post-COVID environment, resulted in the most uh, successful and profitable year in our history in 2021. And we, on our most recent call, announced by raising our guidance that we expect 2022 to be even more profitable than 2021. So it's been a great journey. Very, very good. So from what I understand, it always wasn't that way. You know, I think it was money losing and you came on and 2013. Uh, is that correct? And can you give us a little bit about your background? Yeah, I did start the company in, in 2013, and it was in my role as a turnaround agent, a change agent. And um, because the company had struggled a little bit from about eight years since the recession to return to growth and uh, profitable growth. But the reason um, that made sense uh, for me to think about joining Build-A-Bear, this beloved brand that had extraordinary data and, and no debt, uh, and uh, what I thought was a pretty good runway of opportunity, even though it had been struggling, was because I had worked in the toy industry for many, many years, including Mattel and Hasbro and VTech, and learned a little bit about brands and importing and kids' products, consumer products, kids' marketing, kids' and moms' dynamics. Uh, and it also been the president of the Stride Like Children's Group where I learned a lot about vertical retail, particularly related and driven specifically towards children. So the combination of that plus my early experience in the advertising industry in New York really provided me with a lot of important skills and uh, data points, I think, to come into Build-A-Bear and make a difference. Now, while I was at Hasbro, as an example, I was the head of the global play school, preschool division, and prior to that, the head of the U.S. toy division, I'd also had a lot of opportunity to turn around business units and brands. So that was one more element that was a, a part of my uh, training and preparation to be able to do what we've done here at build a -Bit. So from the look of things, this is no longer a turnaround. It's more of a, a growth story. Is that correct? Yes, but I was grounding that in 2013. And then if you look at just, you know, bears, I would think they've been around a while that that would be saturated. But how big a bear market is it, uh, and, and how do you fit into the landscape of that? Yeah, so um, it's a good question, a good comment first, uh, that you're, you're right. We believe that we have um, established ourselves now as a, growth, as a growth story. We've had eight consecutive quarters of, um, of expansion um, and consistent on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis. 
we are continually looking toward new opportunities for a broader addressable market, as I mentioned, in new categories. So when you ask the question about things like bears are saturated, then it's it's a it would be it would fall in that category I was alluding to earlier, oh, build a bears just bears or just malls or just this or just that. When the truth is that Build a Bear is an experience company. Build a Bear creates memories. The, we are a destination. We're a vertical retailer. People come to Build a Bear to uh, celebrate and mark moments in time, whether that's a birthday or a you know, making a cheer squad or asking someone to go to the prom or Mother's Day, Father's Day, holidays. Valentine's, as an example, is our second largest is our second largest holiday with um, the, the Christmas time period being number one. But we have a really balanced seasonality because birthdays is one of our most, or is our single largest reason why people come. So it's not so much about the bear. Do I need another bear? It's about is there another reason to get together with family and friends or my children or another reason to go mark a moment in time? and have this commemorative uh, product to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. And every single product for us can be unique. They can, they choose the bear, they dress the bear, they, you know, we can put sounds in the bear that are actually your own personal recording. So when you think about what Build-A-Bear has accomplished and in the evolution of our retail footprint, we're now where families go for fun and entertainment. That's not just malls. 35% of our locations are outside of traditional locations where we evolved and developed our digital uh, business and e-commerce business in a very integrated way with our stores in that we buy online, ship from store, we're fulfilling from our stores, we're driving loyalty, we have first-party data with all of with a lot of our consumer base, and that we built out the online business to be primarily appealing to our older consumer, of which 40% is now teens and adults of our uh, consumer base, that driven largely by the nostalgia aspect of Build-A-Bear, the fact that we're multi-generational, gifting, and some of our licenses. It's very multi-dimensional with a large addressable market, with categories, as an example of gifting, that is beyond the just a teddy bear. So it's, in our opinion, far from saturated. Because I would ask you, at what point are celebrations and family gatherings saturated? Fair enough. So you answered partly my next question, which is, who's your customer? Do you have a tight demographic on that? Well, we have as I've alluded to, a bit of a bifurcated consumer strategy. We have that the kid consumer, which we would call our core consumer, that from an age perspective represents 60% of our business. And then we have this older collectible um, affinity gifting consumer that represents about 40% of our business. Across those categories, um, about 60% of the consumers are female. But we also have uh, some other demographic information. The desirable consumer, mostly um, attended college, above average income, stable family, household owners, things like that. So that's a little bit about who our consumer is, but when you cut just a little bit deeper, 
they're clearly guests that enjoy and love lots of different things <laughs> because we have over 175 fabulous licenses, you know, from sports to entertainment. And so that's appealing to a broader array of consumers that like different kinds of things. Lots of people want to come in for all sorts of animals, whether they're you know, teddy bears and bunnies, and they dress them in, in, in you know, expressing themselves, this empowerment. Again, the, the personalization side that's so popular today with DIY, we're right in that space. You know, we also now have ways to participate in the brand that are well beyond just that either digital, you know, e-commerce experience um, where we have broken, we have broken down into other sub-sites, whether it's the bear cave that's only for the older consumer, it's, age, it's got an age gate on it, or our heart box that's the um, procured uh, products that are beyond the bear, as you might say, with teas and, um, and candles that you can, uh, one adult would give to another adult, family pajamas, we have outbound licensing relationships where other companies that, uh, that uh, create and manufacture and sell products outside of our core competency, like pet toys or bikes, license the brand. So there are lots of ways for different, you would call psychographics, to participate in our brand that's much broader than our demographics that I outlined. Okay. And so in terms of marketing channels and reaching your customer, I, I believe you have stores. Are, are they all company-owned, and, and how many stores do you have, and what are some of the other marketing channels? Yes, yeah, so we um, have about 365 what we would call company-owned stores in the United States, Canada, um, the U.K., and Ireland. But we also have franchises in other countries. And then we have something that we call third-party retail mostly in North America, where we're mostly in, those are mostly in amusement parks or hospitality areas, some, some sort of experiential restaurants, cruise ships, things like that, so Carnival Cruise Line, Great Wolf Lodge, SeaWorld, Busch Gardens, uh, thing, you know, that, that type of environment, Six Flags. So places, again, where families go for fun and entertainment. So yes, we have a wide array of store types or models, uh, store build-outs, build and business models to optimize the relationship where there's a partnership. That latitude and flexibility is part of the reason why we've been able to evolve our retail footprint and our retail um, success, frankly. Over the past few years, we, as an example, are you know, virtually all of our stores are profitable. We've reduced our square footage, so our, our sales per square foot has gone up, and we've reduced it by reducing the per store square footage. And we now uh, have about a 25% uh, four-wall profit where that was uh, less than 10% um, in 2013. Are you selling online as well? Absolutely. Um, that was, um, you know, in the expression of the digital economy and our e-commerce, that, that buildabear.com, and that is where we have all of these sub-brands of Bear Cave, the Heart Box, the Pajama Shop. There's other ways to participate in the brand at buildabear.com as well. You can do a bear configurator where you sort of pick your products not dissimilar to the process that you go through in the store. We have something called Bear, uh, bear Builder 3D 
which is a virtual um, animated uh, experience where the bear comes to life. It's much uh, really fun for uh, an adult with a side-by-side -side with their child. So lots of ways to participate in the brand, either in the digital world or in the physical world. The e-commerce business for Build-A-Bear, again, is a very dynamic in, in interact, interaction with our stores. Um, we're agnostic as to where the consumer shops because our profit margins are similar, but our stores often fulfill our growing e-commerce demand. During a COVID, we increased the business by a triple digit. Um, and at the end of 2021, our e-commerce business was 20% of our total sales. Um, and it serves a very important purpose for us and that it over-indexes to the older consumer. Okay. And, and I see you're in a number of other things from video games to animation and NFTs, and you mentioned sleepwear. Are those other things meaningful revenue or more to, to develop the brand, or, or how would you describe them? Well, I would separate out some of those constructs. Um, that was kind of a hodgepodge. Um, yeah. The, the um, sleep shop is what we would call a near-end category from a brand expansion perspective. It's also something that you know, we, we work closely with a, 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 really, a best-in-class uh, children's pajama and adult pajama wear company, and we sell those directly on our own website through our pajamashop.com. That is, that's a brand new endeavor for us where we look at the brand on where is it stretchable, where would the consumer want to participate with us, what makes sense, what's marketable. And when we think about the, all of the purposes, the many, many different purposes that a stuffed animal serves in the lives of people as a comfort toy or just a comfort product, um, a lot of times they're associated with bedtime, telling bedtime stories. So pulling all of that together in a story um, of matching pajamas for families, even at holidays where we're also super associated, again, that would be called a near-end brand extension. So that's, that's a new area for us. The other piece of what you were inferring is, is a, what we call content creation. And that content creation is across a number of different fronts. And part of that is out of absolute necessity. Branded companies, particularly a company like Build-A-Bear, that's based in stores. So when you think about like what's going on inside of a Build-A-Bear and what's going on inside of a consumer's mind when they're buying a Build-A-Bear and all the story and backstory that happens, it's, again, it's not just a bear. It, it becomes woven into the lives of the family and the children or the adults who purchase this. They, you know, again, either they're enthusiasts or they're collecting it or it becomes their you know, friend for their childhood, and they often keep them forever, take them for college. It's a much different um, experience than um, I'm going to a math merchandiser and buying a, a plush. It's, this is, that's really not the purpose that we serve. We serve a greater purpose than that. But over the last 25 years, we've sold nearly 225 million furry friends, each of them having a story. That fact, we believe, gives us permission to expand, where, as an example, and if we, if we were, quote, unquote, just a mall-based retailer, there probably isn't that latitude in expansion and embracing of this idea. But we've built out sub-brands like Honey Girls and Mary Mission and now have content associated with them that, that tell the story. 
we also create content all the time for social media, whether that's TikTok or Facebook, that drives their sale. That is a form of marketing for sure. But it's also a form of elevated brand engagement across the board, whether that's with our Build-A-Bear radio or our Honey Girls movie that we did in conjunction with Sony that's on, playing on Netflix right now. Um, our most recently announced Mary Mission movie that we uh, expect to be out in Christmas 2023, the announcement of a feature film with Reese Witherspoon's company, um, which is Hello Sunshine, uh, that's based on a reimagination of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, uh, our documentary that will be out later uh, in 2023, early 2023, or our Roblox game, that ability to engage with the consumer in different venues and elevate that relationship that then drives them back to the store. And, and when they're in the store, maybe they want to engage with us in another way. Um, they buy a Promise Test product, which would maybe a, one of our sub-brands that makes you think about pet toys for your own pet, makes you want to go to PetSmart and buy a Build-A-Bear pet toy. It's a circle of value, a circle of engagement that we're building out. Understanding, again, that we have the vertical retail model, which provides a lot of control for us, and tremendous first-party data from our own guests that allows us to communicate directly with the consumer, which is very different from a lot of companies. So should we see more brand extension, more new products, or, or what is the, the growth strategy? Well, the growth strategy, given that we're a multidimensional company that, has, that participates in a lot of categories against a broad consumer base, it is also it would be also multidimensional. We have mentioned multiple times that we do not believe that we are overstored. So in our most, I guess, well-known approach to the generation of revenue, we believe we have latitude. We also believe that there's room on e-commerce. We have, can certainly look into new categories. We're, we love the categories that we're in, but when you think about the construct of gifting, how that manifests can be in different ways. Um, the outbound licensing business puts us in thousands of other retail doors that serves as uh, marketing and exposure and helps with our top of mind awareness and we get royalty dollars on that. And we do have a pipeline of entertainment that we're pretty excited about that's designed to elevate all of those mechanisms to drive revenue and uh, profitability. Are there any supply chain issues that inhibit growth? There are supply chain uh, challenges, I think, as you know, and there have been um, from COVID on, some with um, the shipping, you know, some of the shipping challenges, container challenges, um, there's inflation. But I would also point out that we're a very uh, resilient company. We're also quite planful. We have, in some cases, pulled forward our uh, purchasing of our inventory to avoid some of those. Challenges. We work very well with our factories that are scattered all over the um, Southeast Asia. Thus far, we have managed to maintain strong flow, and if, uh, and I think that even though we've mentioned very specifically some of the negative impact of particularly the container expense, to a great degree we've overcome those. I think uh, with the proof point being. We're looking at most likely the two most profitable years in our history in a row. It sounds like you're predominantly in the U.S., and but but outside the U.S., um, you're franchising it. Is that correct, or are there more uh, ex-U.S. opportunities as well? 
we own and operate our stores in the UK, Ireland, Canada, and the United States. The other countries that we participate in, inclusive of Australia, China, South, South Africa, Chile, some countries in the Middle East, those are franchises, uh, or India as well. And so other than those countries that I mentioned, we, you know, for the ones that are economically sound and, and meet our criteria, we believe that there's opportunity there. And are there any key drivers at driving things? Is it COVID eased up or, or what, uh, what's been the big driver of all that growth? We have been um, you know, working for about seven years now, eight years, to um, build a multidimensional business model and working toward the expansion of, as I mentioned, the four wall and the stores. We work with our landlords. We've redeveloped our entire strategy as it relates to the retail evolution. This is a part of our three-pronged strategy that we've been very consistent about doing. We've also gone through a comprehensive multidimensional digital transformation, has elevated and improved our efficiency on being able to market effectively while driving our e-commerce business, as I mentioned, triple-digit growth. We have expanded into new categories with new consumers, and all of that is contributing to the success that we've enjoyed over the last few years. Very nice. Sounds like you've built quite a business. Before we go, uh, is there any you know main takeaway that you want to leave uh, investors? Well, I, I think that Build-A-Bear is a company that's worth looking at in a different way. We have evolved the business model. We've evolved our revenue stream. We have a very healthy balance sheet, no debt. Uh, We are in an evolutionary state, even though I believe that you're correct when you say it looks like the turnaround part's over. We're now focused on continuing to evolve this company based on all of these different platforms that we've created that are integrated to drive our, a profitable business into the future, which we say that is our goal. So in our opinion, it's a very exciting time with a broad diversified market, a broad uh, category, and a lot of tools. We've also, I think that one of the exciting, exciting things too is in the past few years, we've really elevated the pop culture status, which is driving some of this enthusiast brand arm that we're seeing with, um, on average now over the last three years, about 10 billion impressions uh, from a PR perspective annually. So it's, I think it's an exciting time for the brand. We see tremendous opportunity uh, if we can execute against some of our, our plans and our goals. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for sharing the Build-A-Bear workshop story. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.